Good evening, everyone. This is Conversations with Eileen. We have some amazing guests, and I know that a lot of my friends are going to really appreciate this. Um, this is something that I know touches many, many, many hearts. Um, tonight, we have uh, the Last Hope um, organization, which is a um, an organization that um, is for adoption. Um, they also take care of um, other animals, and there's much more to the program. So I don't I don't want to give too much up. I want them to have the opportunity to speak. So tonight, um, first up is Linda Sturman, and she is the director of Last Hope. So here she goes. Hi, Linda. Hi. I'm great. Thank you so much for coming. So the first thing I want you to do is just tell us a little bit about the history of Last Hope and how you became involved. Last Hope is now 40 years old. Wow. It was, uh, was founded in 1981 by um, a woman named Janet Brasco and another woman who has moved since to the um, Midwest. Um, Janet Brasco is now a senior, very senior. Um, I shouldn't say that, but she is. And um, I got involved with Last Hope um, in probably 1986, 87, as a volunteer. Last Hope was primary, primary purpose originally was to what they called rescue death do pound animals. Okay. Now, what does a death do pound animal mean? That means in the shelters, which we now call municipal shelters, we don't call them pounds anymore. Animals were uh, brought to the shelters in, in many, many more numbers than they are today because of people weren't spaying and neutering and there was a lot of ignorance about um, you know, how to care for animals. It, it was just a horrific situation. Uh, you'd walk through the shelters and you would see highly, highly adoptable dogs and every every kennel, and sometimes they'd be packed two to three in a kennel because there wasn't oh. enough room. And there were cats galore, kittens being born, oh. and um, it was just a really bad situation in the in the what are now known as the municipal shelters. So these two women wanted to do something about it, and they set up the mission of Last Hope to be what they called rescue of the death to pan animals. And they would go into the shelters at peer, you know, periodically and remove animals, put them into foster homes, get them spayed and neutered, get them all their vaccines and, and adopt them out. This is all on a foster home basis. Um, I entered the last hope world as someone seeking help in 1986, when I, as a, a much younger person came across <laughs> Um, a colony of feral cats living in Jericho. Yeah. And and at that time, there were probably about 50 cats and none were spayed and neutered. They were all reproducing. And it was at what uh, what was formerly the main maid inn. Um, okay. There was a farm adjacent to it that's in Jericho. And um, I was bewildered as to what to do. And I approached Janet Brasco, who, who was the founder. And, and I, you know, approached her as to, what I could do to help the situation. So she told me, basically, if you can trap them and bring them to the vet 
get them spayed and neutered, I'll pay for it all. Wow. So, so that was my job for about a year. And it went, we went through litters being born that I hadn't gotten, but I took all the litters and I placed wow. them using my own home as a foster space facility to get cats adopted. And, and then I got more and more involved because people heard about me trapping all these cats and that's how I got involved in the TNR effort back in 1986-87. And that was mainly my focus at that point until uh, about 1990-91, Janet decided she wanted to get out of the animal rescue business and she, we were only about a four or five, six person organization and led by a, with a budget of about $2,000. And um, we, uh, she asked me if I would be interested in taking it over. Of course, I was hesitant because I didn't know what it entailed, nor do I still understand why I did it, because it entails a lot more than I anticipated. And um, I did. I became the president of Last Hope in 1981. And at that point, it was kind of a loosely rung organization. So I decided to making an official, make an official board and started holding monthly meetings um, where the public, we announced it in the penny saver and the public was, were invited to attend. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the organization started to grow and also I became involved in going to the shelters myself, which I hadn't done before. Okay. With much hesitancy and started having to do the, the terrible deed of, of horrible choice picking the animals that you wanted to save and leave the others behind which was horrible um and you now you know, when, well many of these animals animals that were scheduled to be euthanized at that time yes okay they had a certain amount of time that they could hold them and then if they there was no shelter, if they weren't placed through the shelter or if they weren't placed into a rescue organization, many of them were euthanized. And it was a very sad situation. Um, things started to transform for Last Hope in about 1995 when an opportunity came up for us to hold what we were calling pet adoption events. Okay. Many of the larger pet stores, uh, Petco, yes. Smart, invited the rescue groups in to display their animals for adoption on select weekends in the month. And actually it was very successful and we were able to place a number, more and more animals that way. Um, so then we became um, a partner with PetSmart and Petco where we were allowed to hold cats in those shelters. Really? 24 hour basis. Okay. And we had volunteers, then again, we reached out for volunteers and volunteers came and cared for the animals. And that again, increased the number of adoptions that we did, except for it wasn't helping as much with the dog problem. We had dogs in foster homes, maybe five to six at a time. Um, and of course those were advertised through advertise, uh, adopted through advertisements in local newspapers and penny savers. Okay. Then into not going into the 2000s um, or late 1990s, um, PetSmart left Long Island. So we were bounced out of PetSmart right. and we were put into, we were, you know, we were desperate for a place to show our cats. And 
we started to we started to show them in a small space adjacent to one of our veterinarians in Huntington that we rented a small space from. And that was the beginning of, you know, our adoption center, as we okay. called it. And then in 2005, we opened an adoption center for dogs in Lindenhurst at one of our veterinarians who rented us space to set up kennels. And we held about eight to 10 dogs any time there. Wow. So that's how we got, you know, we became larger. And we're, the more adoptions you do, the more well-known you become. And sure. we're out in the community. So that um, about 1990, uh, that was, uh, that went into 2005. Okay. So then in the, in the late 2000s, we were holding what we were calling TNR clinics, those referral cat clinics that we were holding for um, at different locate veterinarians and uh, to trap, neuter and release, spay and neuter and release feral cats. And that was open to the public for free. Mm -hmm. And we held them, you know, periodically and we would do upwards of 80 to 100 cats a day. Wow. And, and the veterinarians would participate and not, you know, charge us for their time. It was great. Um, and at one of those clinics, uh, one of the veterinarians who had worked for the organization known as Bidewee was aware, was told me that Bidewee was shutting down. I think that was 2009. Yeah. I think and, that was in um, Port Washington area, right? No, no, it was Wanto. Bidewee was the white. Oh, okay. Beltog Avenue. They still have their administrative offices there. Um, and they were closing down the shelter. So he suggested that I approach them about uh, renting the space. And I did, and we were able to move into the space after negotiations and so on. Uh, we basically rent the space that we're in, which houses uh, up to 20 dogs at a time and close to 100 cats at a time from Bidewee since 2011. <coughs> and our adoptions are probably eight to 900 cats and dogs a year. Um, That's an amazing number. I really hope you're proud of that number. <laughs> well, it's certainly an increase over what we started with. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's not the, the number that counts. It's the quality, as we all like to say. Sure. We really do screen our potential adopters. Yes. And, I read, I read that. Um, yep. That's, uh, you know, that's where we are. We're at 2021 now. And we're still going strong. And we have a release with By the Week to, I think, 2024 or 2025. And we'll see where we are at that point. So um, I did a little research. And I also know um, you have a Last Hope thrift shop in Huntington. Is that right? Yes, that's new. That okay. just opened. That's just opened. Uh, Joanne is one of the, uh, uh, what's your sales clerks there? Joanne okay. Yes, it's on Huntington. It's uh, Joanne will tell you the exact address. It's right on New York Avenue. Okay. And we've been doing quite well. It's been operational since uh, June. So now proceeds from that help offset costs for you. Is that right? Yes. Well, during the pandemic, as you know, we couldn't hold many public fundraisers. Sure. Um, so well, we couldn't hold any, I guess we should say. Right. Um, 
So having this little thrift store and having them, you know, raise money for us has been extremely beneficial to our programs. And I understand um, you do do a lot of events. Do you want Joanne to speak about the events? Um, well, right now we have one event planned for, for September. It's uh, September 24th, bingo. It's at Levittown Hall and it's up on our website. Whoever did the graphics did a great job on that, by the way. Yeah, we're limiting the number of participants to 200 for COVID, you know, okay covid restrictions um it's usually a very successful event and um we hope everyone who wants to can come out so uh i think i'm going to ask you a redundant question because i think we all can understand why you've put 40 plus years into that and i i'm gonna say it's your love of animals yes i've always uh you know, from a little kid, I've always uh, loved, uh, we always had animals in our house and believe it or not, we uh, we used to rescue them when they were abandoned in our area. Sure. And it's a family thing. My sister is involved in the organization. Oh, and, that's uh, amazing. The family thing. Yeah, my parents were very animal oriented. So yes, we all like animals, love animals, I should say. Well. We'll do anything to help an animal. I I told you my story before we went on there and they touch your heart in ways that you can't even imagine. They they were part of your family. I always say when I when I was asked, you know, how many children do you have? I have four children. <laughs> you have two legs? <laughs> two have four legs. <laughs> But I have two girls and two boys. That's what I would always say. Um, you are an inspiration. And there really was a reason I wanted to highlight your program. Um, please don't don't shop. Adopt. Um, let's, let's hashtag that all over the place. Don't shop. Please adopt. Because uh, some of your... Your dogs are senior dogs, and at the very least, they deserve the right to have a peaceful, loving, secure um, rest of their life. I think that's really important. That's true. I have. I am known as the person in Last Hope who will take the senior dogs so that they have a comfortable, if they're terminal, so that they have a, um, right, a, you know, a nice ending to their life, however long it may be. Yeah. I actually have two neighbors um, that take senior dogs. So your message is getting out there. We're gonna push the message a little bit more for you. And um, I would be remiss to say that you welcome donations. Yes, we do. Okay, any amount helps. Yes, any amount helps. Anything that you can do to raise money for Last Hope. We have many people who do their own thing to raise money, um, especially the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts. Yes. Um, they've been doing wonderful things, and, and, and it's been really helping during this trying time. Yes. So I think. Years ago, when I was my, my daughter's Girl Scout leader, 
um, we, we did an event um, at a shelter to bring awareness and we actually were able to get several dogs adopted and I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, a little Girl Scout troop with nine-year-old girls and they were, they were very instrumental. They worked very, very, very hard. Um, but Linda, I just, I wanna mention the address. It's 3300 Belt Hog Avenue in Wontaw. Right, it's right off of um, Wontaw Avenue, correct? Yes, what you do is you take, you enter Beltag Avenue and you go past the town of Hempstead Animal Shelter, which will be to your left. Yes. And you go a little farther down. Keep going. we are across from the Wontaw High School and you make a left, the second left in and then and you turn and you go into the building to the left. That's where we are. And you are open Monday through Friday from 12 to 5.30, 12 to that's, 5. That's for dog adoptions and for right. cat adoptions right now, due to the pandemic, we're opening um, 12 to 5 on Saturday and Sunday. Okay. And if you are interested in a cat or a dog and you, you want to fill out an application, it will, um, it will speed the process along if you would fill it out prior to arriving or if you want to fill it out and just submit it you'll get you know you'll get someone to call you back and discuss okay. what you're looking for and your very nominal fees are listed on your website which is lasthopeanimalrescue.org every dog or cat that you adopt will come to you with all its vaccines that it can have at the time of adoption, spay, neuter, worm, it will be wormed, it will be heartworm or feline leukemia age tested and flea treated. Linda, thank you so much. Please keep up the good work. Thank you. We appreciate it. And do we're you have gonna, any other questions for me? We're gonna, I think we've covered everything. Now okay. what we'll do is, um, we're gonna we show this video and actually um, I asked Joanne if I could do a follow-up visit visit at the shelter mm -hmm. uh, so we can actually see the shelter and maybe we can see some of the animals with your permission mm -hmm. and we'll schedule that um, but let's bring our outreach coordinator Joanne Anderson on Linda thank you so much stay well and I look forward to seeing you soon Thank you. All righty. And we're going to welcome our outreach coordinator, Joanne Anderson. Hi, Joanne. Hi, how are you? Um, we're, we're open 10 to 6 for dogs. Okay. And, and noon to 5 for cats. And that's subject to change. That's all COVID related. Okay. Before COVID, we were open from 10 to 7 every day, including Christmas. You gotcha. know, where because there's... There's always people there because there's always there people there caring for the animals. Yes. Um, Linda, I'm going to talk about fix a feral as part of um, what we talk about because it is so in, like we don't just have one program. We have various programs and they change also depending on how much money we've raised and what vets are available. Okay. So I thought that um, to sort of like in a, two-sided John F. Kennedy speech, um, what Last Hope does for you 
and what you can do for Last Hope, because okay. we are so much more than a, a um, an adoption organization. Yes, you are. Okay? And the thing is, if it wasn't for the fix of Farrell, I mean, that is um, what we're doing to try to get some kind of handle on cat overpopulation. Yes. And the thing is, we do thousands of cats a year, and it seems like you're spitting in the ocean. But we know just based on the fact that last year so many programs were suspended because of COVID, we know how bad this year is because of that. And um, we're trying to make up for it with what we're doing this year. And sure. I think we're spending more money on Fix the Feral, right, Linda, than usual. Okay, so things that Last Hope does, and I'll start with the Fix the Feral programs. Okay. The whole idea is, yes, we'll spay and neuter cats, but we want to get the public involved because it's many, many people are having these cats in their yard or their place of work or, yeah. they're, you know, or they're seeing them on their way to work. So we have various programs to try to make it, um, try to make it um, financial, po financially possible. So the, the main program that we usually have, and it coincides with kitten season, are our fix a feral vouchers, where people can apply through our website for up to five vouchers, at some, at some points in time, they're absolutely free. Right now, we're doing a whole um, group of vouchers that are $15 on the part of the people who are doing the trapping, and the rest of the money is paid by Last Hope. So, And they make their appointments, and they have a choice of seven doctors. So that's one program that's going on now. We also have a, a veterinarian who has um, changed her focus and opened a spay-neuter clinic, which is wonderful. It's right in East Meadow. It's called Helping Poor. And we've done, yes, Dr. Levitan. So we've done many um, Wednesdays where there are free spay-neuter Wednesdays, and we pay for up to 25 cats with people who have appointments. So these are, these are people who are having people trap for them or they're learning how to trap, which is something that we will help people do. And um, we have um, something else, Linda. Another, anyway. but but at various times we are we the public clinics. The public clinics were the yes. ones that were like mash, and they worked extremely well because things were done with such professional, so professionally, but like in an assembly line fashion. But yes. since COVID, it's been very hard to get people, medical people who can can do it because of the groups of people. And plus it's very hard to do it with the people who are the public people who are bringing it are not allowed into the hospital anymore. So we've de-emphasized that and we've gone into more with the voucher program. But the whole idea is you're, you're spaying this mother who's in your yard, right. so you're not spaying this mother every four months. Right. And have a hundred cat kittens in right. your yard. You know, it's, and uh, so, and the, whenever there's friendly cats, they become part of our program. They never get put back. They're returned if they're to the point where they can't go back. So the fix of our component is very big. We've had um, more pet food drives to raise money, to, raise, to gather food for people who can no longer afford because of the pandemic. And we, we disperse the food to organizations and individual people who are very good at finding the people who need it, like um, Long Island Cares, which has the Baxter's Pet Food um, Pantry, and um, Nobody Starves on Long Island, which is uh, basically a one-man operation. His name is Gary Kaufman. So we, we gather the food, and they 
they they disperse the food. So that's a thing that's very important. The okay. the the free and low cost vaccinations yes, are okay. always open to everyone on Long Island. Not not like when the towns do them, they only can allowed to offer them to their residents. And we did a free rabies, not just for financial reasons, but because so many vets were closed and people couldn't get regular routine appointments, they couldn't keep up to date on some of their vaccinations. So we did that on the idea for people, not just people who needed to be able to save money, but people who just didn't have the opportunity to do it. And then our other, our other vaccines are usually low cost. And it, it saves a tremendous amount of money, especially for people who have multiple pets. And it's another um, resource. It's another resource for, for someone that's trying to do uh, something good for the community for the animals, um, but maybe can't afford to do it, you're offering this as a service. Yes. Um, yes. And that's amazing. That's I mean, we've had, through the times that we've had, used to be a traveling show with the um, the vaccine clinics. We would go from pets to different pet stores or do it or do it outside certain buildings. But we've had, over time, rescues bring their puppies or their dogs that they rescued and do some of it so that they'd save money. So it does it does help that way also. And it keeps right. the, a lot of these are the idea is you want to make it so that the people can afford to keep their pets for the sake of the bond that they have between them, and also so that a senior pet does not wind up in the shelter. Right. Um, we have quite a a diverse humane education program. There's two of us that are retired teachers who do the tours at Last Hope. Most okay. scout groups and um, sometimes school groups and sometimes, well, even just other groups where they they get a tour of Last Hope. Some of them are coming because they've done a supply drive for us. Some are just coming to find out about caring pets. But we have um, one our our volunteer, Susan, who's a retired music teacher, has three pets that have um, um overcome physical disabilities, a three-legged Lhasa, a little Shih Tzu that had a major orthopedic surgery um, for free at the Animal Medical Center in the city, because that's another special program, and a little tiny dog that had tremors that was discarded in Los Angeles. So the first part of the program is the kids get to hear the stories of these dogs and how these dogs are now therapy dogs and how they're they're actually superstars because of the horrible things that happened to them. We always tell Timmy if he had four legs, legs, he'd be on the couch watching TV. He wouldn't be doing this. So that's part of the program. And they tour the facility. And um, some of them then will do a supply drive or something for us after the fact. Some will do it before yeah. the fact. So that we, we actually go to the schools in the days when you used to be able to go to the schools. And we would bring Team Timmy there. So that's another program that we've done. They've gone to churches, camps, places like that, women's groups, church groups. Um, so the, And the whole idea is you want to talk to kids about being responsible pet owners because, unfortunately, yeah. not all kids have parents who are responsible pet owners. So um, they just they need, they need to, to hear it, to see it, that it's not just something cute that you – keep for a short amount of time. Um, we also have programs where we have, um, we try to subsidize vet bills of people who have 
economic hardships. Okay. And what happens with this is we're, sometimes this comes from grant money and we're limited by the amount of money we're allowed to give them. Certain okay. grants, you're only allowed to give them $600. But we try to do this, but there, what happens is often these people are seniors and their pets are seniors. And we, we sort of fall into like a catch 22 where it's discovered that the dog has diabetes. And then we sort of wind up providing the insulin or finding them uh, a cheaper source of insulin or something like that. But the idea is, again, we don't want them to have to surrender or yeah. it's called economic euthanasia when somebody has to put their pet to sleep because they can't afford to keep their pet. So that's, that's a program that we have. Um, we work with a lot of um, scout groups doing their project with them. And that's a, that's a, yes. Yes. There are so many Girl Scout troops and Boy Scout troops, um, you know, in, in our community and neighboring communities that this would be perfect for. Right. And in fact, one of our, it was very hard to figure out which building was Last Hope. But now we have this incredible sign that one of the boys did as his Eagle Scout project with, on a planter that is, it's just so gorgeous that no one can mistake finding Last Hope anymore. But um, with, with this, we have college students who have projects to do for their journal, journalism class or their film class. So we wind up helping them do it. And it's, it's fine because it's helped. We're going to go to, um, or I'm going to go to NASA Community College to the radio station we do the radio yes. program, okay? Yes. So that, yeah, that type. And through the ten years we've been in in Wantua, we've had um, groups of disabled people come to volunteer. We used to have a the teacher was deaf, and we'd have um, a whole group of deaf adults from Milnick Manor School for the Deaf. Yeah. Um, we've had group homes from um, people with um, limited limit with disabilities where okay. the group home type of thing and other we've even had one-on-one -on -one kids with autism who had a one-on-one -on -one aid things like that but it's 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 helping the community but it's, they're also helping our pets and they're also letting our dogs are seeing people in wheelchairs and things like that and it's help it's helping mm -hmm. um and those individuals themselves are getting something back um they're getting nurtured from their pet the the Milnet crew was so incredible they were the most efficient people on the face of the earth we would get supplies delivered and you'd turn around and they had put everything away before, oh. you, before you even got a chance to take pictures of it to see what there was there they were they were so good but um they don't come anymore because um the teacher, their teacher got another job. So they're, they're not coming anymore. Okay. And again, with COVID, they wouldn't be coming. Um, one of the other things that Last Hope do does is just public education. Um, when possible, we make people aware of legislation that's out there, like the bill that we tried to get passed to close the puppy mill in New York State, the puppy mill um, pipeline bill. Um, yeah. I guess it was about 10 years ago, yeah. we, had, we had a symposium at Nassau, um, at Suffolk Community College called the Pitbull Predicament um, Symposium. And it was, we invited all the shelter 
directors together. We were trying to solve this problem of why are our shelters filled with pit bulls? What can we do? Um, we had events for this, but we had, it was, and we had people come from as far away as Connecticut to be in this. So what? the thing is we, we, we don't want just, it's not just give people a dog or a cat. It's, sure. it's the, whole, the whole thing to educate, to educate people also. Okay. Um, all right. Now, as far as the other end, what can you do for us? There's, yes. plenty, of things, there's plenty of things that people can do for us. So was, we're an all volunteer organization. Yes. At times our veterinarians are volunteers. It depends on what they're doing. And at times they're paid. They have to be paid. But, um, Basically, even a lot of our trainers are volunteers. So we have over 250 dog volunteers. We've had up to 100 um, wow. cat volunteers and then people who do other things like fundraising. But we, um, we've allowed, we've always had the children could be 12 and up for cats with their parent. They could be 14 and up with their um, parents for dogs. And then at 18, it was at 18 that could be yeah. on their own. So yeah. we've had kids that grew up with us because when we were in Lindenhurst, they were even younger, gone to, gone to college, come back and then volunteer again after the after college is over. So and this is a, it's a really nice thing when it's a whole family who does that. So we we're always looking for volunteers. We're always looking for, um, with the public fundraisers, we're looking for people to come to the public fundraisers. Right. So um, we want to look those events. Right. And like this supermarket bingo that we're having, um, Levittown Hall, which is um, a nice venue because it's so big, has a capacity of 300. And it was, the town didn't know what they were going to allow when they reopened. And they are allowing 300, but we're just being cautious by allowing 200. Okay. But even that, that affects how much money you raise because you have 100 less people. You know, so we have that. We just had the spaghetti dinner. We always did a wine tasting. It was either at um, Walt Whitman's birthplace, and then we moved it to the Armory Museum in Bethpage. Very nice. A oh, beautiful venue. Oh, you're sitting among the tanks. <laughs> it was, it, it's absolutely beautiful. Wow. Um, we have, besides regular donations, we have special donor funds. We have people who sponsor a cage or sponsor a kennel in name, like in memory of somebody. Okay. We have a, a, a spay neuter. It's called just one spay, just one feral cat, because if everybody did one, we could be doing 100, 1000 type of thing. Okay. Um, at Christmas time, we have something called trees of love where people buy ribbons um, to honor their pets that are alive, to remember their pets that have passed and to represent and um, honor pets that were euthanized in shelters across the United States. And it's a, that's a very big um, event because people okay. West Hope has been doing that for many years before we came to, um, to Wantaw and uh, used to be, used to be a holiday party before the pandemic also. Right. Um, we have um, always looking for kids to do projects. The kids have come become so creative in this time that had from the pandemic. We had one little girl had a rainbow cookie birthday party. If oh. if the kids, if the people who came to her, her her house donated to Last Hope, their mother made these incredible rainbow cookies. They got rainbow cookies for free. Oh. Um, we just had kids who raised a, 
over a thousand dollars for us with painted shells and bracelets. Um, just all these all these different twists on um, on on raising money. Um, a lot of times it's one child or it's a few children. It's a whole scout group. Um, we're yeah. also always looking for people to have supply drives for us. Schools do that often. Um, that was actually something I was going to ask you because yeah. I get asked so often. Um, I have old towels. I have old blankets. Is that something that your organization takes? Um, we actually don't need them because okay. without asking, we get a steady supply. All, all really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's like, and the thing is, we, our dogs have what are called Coranda cots. So they have beds. And not all of them need a blanket on top of it because some of them have to be supervised. They would eat the blanket that's on top of it. And some of the blankets are way, way too hard to, um, like their quilts, to launder, to use over again. So even without saying anything, we get a steady su supply because people. So I, but we, the thing we always need, paper towels. Paper towels. And it had nothing to do with the shortage. Okay. Yeah, we always need paper towels. Um, so the supply drives are, and some of the supply drives are unbelievable, the amount of things that people collect. And, you know, and the food, you. if the food is something that our dogs don't eat because our dogs eat a certain food and our cats don't, we have plenty of organizations that we can, we, we separate it and they go, it goes to somebody in need. Sure. Now, now my pet project is the thrift store. So our thrift store is 274 New York Avenue in Huntington. So we're just north of the Paramount Theater. Okay. And we're just yes, north. All those proceeds go. Mm -hmm. Every, right. All the proceeds go to um, to our dogs and cats. So you can turn your, your old designer shoes into a spay. You know, it'll pay okay. for a spay type of thing. Um, uh, we have... Um, people who donate. We have people who volunteer there, people who shop. Where we are used to be a thrift store for 13 years. So, and it went out of business because of COVID. So we have regular donors who are coming in because they're used to donating there. We have people coming in because they're so thrilled that it is a thrift store again. And we have today, we're in Huntington, we got a visit from one of our dogs, a senior who's blind in one eye. His name is Rocco. He came with his pet parents to give us donations and to pose for pictures from Whitestone. This is this is wow. the second this is the second time he's come from Whitestone, and he was um, rescued from the ASPCA in the city, um, and. And they've had him since May, and they talk about him like he's the greatest thing that ever lived. And he's eleven plus. Sure he is. Yeah. So, it, but but the, that's we get a lot of um, people who come in who have our pets. So, which is wonderful too. But we are uh, our donations can come to the thrift store. We're open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, ten to three. And they can come to Last Hope as long as I know they're coming, and then I take them to the thrift store. Now, let me ask you, can they, uh, can donations be made directly on your website? Yes. We have a PayPal link. 
So we okay, have good. we have we have a PayPal a regular PayPal link, and then we have designated PayPal links like the bingo ticket tickets can be purchased. Right. You know, one of the things we've always had allowed people to walk into bingo, but we're not this year because of our 200 limit and because we we're going to enforce masks for it because it's a big group of 200 people. Sure. Not, we don't want to, you know, we ease off a little, but now we're becoming more cautious again. But um, the thrift store is a, is nice because it isn't a you. It's not a huge public event. We might have five people in there at a time, or nobody yeah. there. But it's still, you know, and it's just a, the the people are so generous with what they donate. So it's just absolutely amazing. So we have a pair. We have a pair of green Gucci high heels. Whoa. Okay. All right. So we haven't the slightest idea what to charge for those yet. Right. Okay. Now, Joanne, just remind us again the website for Last Hope. Right, so our website is lasthopeanimalrescue.org. Okay, and we you're going to find... Facebook page, and our Facebook page is Last Hope Inc. Yes. I-N-C, because there's about five or six Last Hopes in the United States. Okay, okay so that's that's our Facebook page. We have an Instagram page, which I should know the name and I don't. We do. We should, we have that too. Well, Joanne, you and I are going to follow up. Yeah. Um, you and I are going to go through a list. I'm going to post the events. I'm going to post some of the things that we talked about, just in case our listeners missed. Um, but the I think um, the takeaway is: uh, listen, let's give back. Let's take care of the animals. I understand there is. Um, a, a, a really serious issue with feral cats. Um, I know that in Oceanside a few years ago, um, there was a really bad situation and uh, an individual who really gave so much of himself couldn't have access uh, to getting the cats. And unfortunately it was a very sad outcome. So I thank you and Joanne for doing what you thank doing. you. Um, I have to show this picture because I showed it to both of you earlier. Um, I am an animal lover. Uh, this is something that my daughter had made for me, my birthday. All my friends know her as Honey Bear, Little Miss Honey. She was my best friend and we lost her two years ago. And my daughter had this made for me and uh, I, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I promise when I get there, I will be coming and I will adopt a pet from you. I promise. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. It has been my pleasure. We're going to do a follow-up and we're going to list the events and we're going to make sure that people understand that any amount of donation goes a long way. Um, I want to talk to you off screen about um, the sponsor a cage program. And I, I, I think it's something I'd like to do for my two babies that are no longer with me. I'd like okay. to do that in their memory. So you and I can talk about how I can navigate that and, and get that done and get, and give you guys a little help. Okay. Thank you. Yes. You're Thank welcome. You you're welcome. Thank you and Linda so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I felt that this was a really important cause that deserved attention. 
and all the amazing things that you're doing for these animals and for the community. You're also setting yourselves as role models. And, you know, as, as a former Girl Scout leader, I can promise you, you're going to get some attention after this. Good. Thank you. You definitely will. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You both have a wonderful night, and I will be in touch soon. Thanks. All righty. Take care.